Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast, a podcast for brain injury survivors by brain injury survivors, providing resources and camaraderie for anyone recovering from any type of brain injury, with your hosts, Aaron Martin and Mariah Morgan. Welcome back to the Making Headway Podcast. This is Mariah. And this is Aaron. And today we are blessed with having Vanessa Woodburn as our guest. She's not only a survivor of post-concussive syndrome after a bike accident, but she's also a health coach, integrative health coach, that has uh, used her experience to write a book and help others. Her book is called Bounce Back, Reclaiming Your Life After Concussion, and we are so blessed to have her today. Welcome, Vanessa. Welcome. Thank you both very much. It's nice to uh, be with you today. I feel like I know you both <laughs> a little bit, having listened to your podcast that's you a, as that's well. That's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron's been reading your book, so I feel like that's that feeling is mutual. Yeah. It totally is. She has some wonderful advice. And I'd love to just jump right in and get an idea of your integrative health coaching and, you know, was that something you were doing because of this or something that you were already involved in? Let's hear a little yeah. more. Thank you. So yeah, my, um, it's funny how the timing in life works out, right? So my health coaching started about a little over four years ago. I took the course for to be a certified integrative nutrition health coach. And my concussion actually happened towards the end of that coaching. And oh, wow. so it really, yeah, so it really, I mean, I knew when I was taking those courses that I was interested in health and, and that integrative approach to health, right? Where you're looking at the whole person, not just food and nutrition, but all the things that nourish ourselves, uh, mental health, self-care, emotional health, spiritual health, all of it. So I was loving this program. And then my husband and I went on vacation to Italy for our, to celebrate our 20th anniversary. And I had a really bad crash on my bike all by myself. Didn't, uh, nobody hit me. <laughs> Don't you love when that happens? Like, I love it. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I really found that, so here I was, I had all this, I had all this information and I had been doing all this training and then I had to become a health coach for myself Mm -hmm. to help myself heal. And so I often wonder like, you know, that one of those what if moments, what if I hadn't been developing my background that way and then this happened. So I'm, I'm fortunate, I'm very Uh, grateful that I did have that background and it sure came in handy when I realized after my concussion and perhaps things are different like that was four years ago maybe things are a little different now but I really felt very alone after it happened my family doctor Mm -hmm. had good care in Italy it was fine they weren't really focusing on the concussion it was was other things but when I came back my family doctor you know, did all the tests to make sure that I was neurologically intact, is the phrase that they use. (laughs) I was. But, uh, you know, I got the old, well, you're fine. Oh, don't we love that? We love that word. You're (laughs) fine. You look fine. Yeah. And that was like, you know, where the bottom falls out moment for me, where I was like, this is fine. Like, there was no pointing me to other treatment providers or anything like that. And I think I have a really good family doctor, but he just wasn't aware. 
And yeah. so it was like, okay, now I'm on a mission to figure this out and piece together all these different helpers, treatments, providers for myself. And so A, it was a full-time job doing all of that and managing all of that and, and the appointments and following through and what they say. And it's tiring. Like you're doing all this in the midst of the aftermath of a brain injury. So it takes a lot of energy. But yeah, I was glad that I was able to move forward with that. And it has certainly impacted my work as a health coach now. And it took me a little while to realize that I wanted to come back to the concussion community and really use everything that I've learned to serve in this place. I tried to go out for a while and offer workshops. Well, I did for a couple of years offering workshops about health and wellness um, to a broader population. And then I took some, I took a step back and I thought, you know what, I really, I can really, really give and contribute to this um, post-concussion community in a way that not many other health coaches can. So I decided to really focus my work there, and the book was born from all of that. <laughs> Talk about putting the pedal to the metal. Like, yeah. you learn all this stuff, and then it's like, boom, you need to use this, and you need to be good, and you need to push yourself beyond your experience and help others like yeah. that's a lot to unpack all at once yeah like trial by fire right <laughs> so I you know I loved reading the book it's really encouraging like you can tell that you really understand uh, it's nice and short it's succinct it's not too wordy yeah, I could get did, through did it. Did that and, on purpose. Right? <laughs> That's and always you, appreciated in this community. Yeah, yeah. It really was, yeah. My attention's so bad. Like, it was really easy for me to just read a couple pages on this is the step, let's do this, and it makes sense. So you kind of did break it up into steps. How would someone apply that, and where do we start with that? Yeah, so I... Yes, I did break it into steps, and that was very purposeful, and it's sort of looking at things, I'll say, like from the outside in, right? So we're going to start with how do we take care of ourselves? Well, first, start with understanding what happened. And in, in my book, in the case of a concussion, I speak to that directly. And I also want to make sure that people have some information and a place to go if they're wondering who can help. So there's a chapter about who can help. And I think a lot of that would apply to people who'd had any kind of a brain injury, not just a mm -hmm. concussion. And then we go through self-care, some tips for uh, nutrition and movement and taking care of yourself and your your mindset and the the overarching theme throughout the book and this is really at the heart of all the work that I do is to try to integrate or bring in this this sense of compassion for yourself while you're doing this work so when you're thinking about your food and nutrition and movement and sleep and all of those things that sometimes go well and sometimes don't go well can you look at those things and frame them in this in a in a place of being compassionate to yourself as you're making those choices also in the book I, there's a chapter about writing our stories right and mm. and owning your story and looking at the narrative that's in your head and deciding is is my self talk here is the story i've created about this is it true 
Is it actually true? Do I want to change how I'm seeing this as I move forward? And then uh, some tools to actually change that story into something that feels empowering and hopeful with potential and possibility. Those words, I think, kind of are woven throughout the book. Yeah, absolutely. I know I've noticed with my own recovery that it's almost like I've had the opportunity to try on different personalities and different feelings that this injuries brought. So, you know, just for an example, initially it was euphoria, it was positivity, it was I can overcome this, I can overcome everything. And then life comes back. <laughs> you know, you start getting back into work and feeling the challenges and you're not in your little protected bubble on the couch at home anymore. Yeah. And you start to experience a different story. For me, it was allowing myself to feel those very low lows, that valley that you talk about. Yeah. But that doesn't need to be my story either. You know, I'm starting to climb out of that and realizing, no, I don't need to live here either. I don't need to live as someone brain injured. And I didn't have a concussion, but this is very yeah. applicable, I think, to everybody. Definitely. Yes, I, I can agree. relate to it, too. So for our listeners, uh, if you listen to our interview with Holly Kostreski a few episodes ago, we talked about the book Where's the Mango Princess, which is a book about caregiver, wrote the book. It's the story of her husband's recovery from a traumatic brain injury. And I'm reading it right now because of that conversation with Holly. But as I'm reading that book, I'm realizing I don't have all of the information for my story because so much memory loss happened during that time. So <laughs> silly story. My husband was downstairs the other night and I was sitting in our in bed reading and I literally called him on the phone even because I was too lazy to go downstairs and ask him the question. But I was like, hey, can you tell me the story of when I came out of the coma because I have a memory of it that I'm is hazy at best. And I'm also not sure that the way I tell it to myself is actually the way it happened. And so he, a poor guy, he's had to rehash so many things for me. I mean, like I've picked his brain about what actually happened a million times, but he told me the story again. And I was like, huh, that is not how I remember it. And I feel like I'm just like constantly trying to adjust, you know, or reconcile my memory quote unquote with fact you know, yeah. even this many years later. Yeah, and the, I find this all very fascinating, and this has been definitely a key part of the inner work that I've had to do as well. I found Brene Brown's work really helpful with this in her book, Rising Strong, where she talks about the reckoning, the rumble, and the revolution of stories, but also that our, we are wired, neurobiologically wired for stories that, and our brain just wants us to be safe, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, but she calls it a hack, like there's kind of a way to hack into that process when you're trying to move forward from something. So like to kind of reckon with that story and ask yourself, like exactly what you said you did, Mariah, and asking your husband, like, okay, what is actually true here? What are the facts? Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then figuring that out and then choosing how you want to move forward with it. And I just found that a really, really process kind of gave me some power back. Yeah, I um, imagine so. Yeah. There's also, this is a totally unrelated 
topic uh, for the book, but there's a book called The Night of the Gun. Have you guys heard of it? Mm, no. It's by it. a former New York Times reporter. His name was David Carr. He's since passed of fairly natural causes, but he was an addict. He's a father at the time. And once he had gotten pretty far into his recovery, he started reporting on his own addiction story because he was realizing kind of like we are that his version of the story is not the way other people would tell it and so he decided to make himself a reporting experiment and he you know interviewed everybody who saw him along the way and interacted with him and realized that he had created a story for himself to make him more comfortable with the way um, he had acted or the way it had happened and it is a fascinating really well written book I it's one of my favorite books of all time I highly recommend anyone out there who wants to read it but yeah Night of the Gun David Carr but it, there is something really interesting about how the human brain structures a story for itself to to sort of help us move on and sometimes that's not actually the way things really went down but yeah yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> anyway sorry for this the tangent no, but that's it's okay. a great book <laughs> it's real it's not though i mean it it highlights that we really do have control as to how we want to live and move forward from our injury one thing i think i was struggling with so much is that i just like vanessa was hurt working out so to me, it was scary to start working out again. And that was such a huge outlet in my life. But I was like, nope, shutting that down. Because my story was I worked out, I got a brain injury. So maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. It's not safe. And that ended up making me more depressed because I'm not moving. I have no energy. You know, you're, you're resting all the time. But at some yeah. point, you need to move. You can't be fatigued. So yeah. just getting that, those impressions from others as to how, you know, you used to live and what's different now and maybe what could change, I think is really insightful to ask others around you what's going on, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, too. and I, I mean, Aaron and I have talked quite a bit about this, but um, it's really easy, the constant revisiting to your own story or trying to piece it together or the way you tell it to yourself it's really easy to get bogged down in your story and let it start to own you. And I found, you know, because of this podcast, Aaron and I are so much in brain injury stuff all the time that I've actually struggled a little bit because I'm a lot more aware of things that might be the result of my brain injury than I was before. I find myself living in it more than I did maybe a year ago or six months ago. And I'm not saying we're quitting this podcast. I think we both love it. But it is something to be mindful of as you're constantly revisiting your story is what is this revisiting doing to my mental health and is it good for me? And I think probably yes for most people, but there can be a negative side to it, certainly. You know, there has to be a point where you let go a little, right? I would imagine. I mean, I I think like maybe there's multiple points where you release pieces of it, but. And I think you're both pretty, I feel like the veteran here for being four (laughs) years out. (laughs) You're both pretty new and it was a couple years. I think you're, I think this is amazing with this podcast and the work that you're doing and the awareness that you're bringing to so many different facets of 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 brain injuries and healing and recovery and things that people can do. It took me a couple years, I think, where I was able to kind of 
live in it like this, like write a book about it and, and offer coaching and a program about it. So I think it's a very natural evolution of the process where you're both at now. And I think it's your wise, Mariah, to make sure that you give yourself a bit of space from it rather than living, living in this mm -hmm. space all the, all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a quote in the book that I found really, really resonated with me. And I heard it from Jim Quick, who's a brain science expert. And he said, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. Mm -hmm. And that was really a turning point for me. It's like, okay, where am I putting, am I putting a lot of energy into fighting to stay in a certain place that doesn't feel good here with, with how I'm how I'm moving forward from my brain injury. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. And so I think I had to make a decision. Okay, that's not where I'm going to put my energy anymore. I'm going to put my energy into looking ahead and what's what's going to be new, what's next for me. Absolutely. And that I've, can also be tough, I think, because you don't want to ignore them entirely because sometimes they're still there, but you also don't want them to own you. It's like a constant yeah. balance, right? It's, yeah. Because for me, at least, it's a slippery slope denying <laughs> limitations yeah. because I'm, I easily will deny, deny, deny. And then it's almost <laughs> always it my husband who's face. like, uh. <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, constantly trying to stay on a path, you know, it's, you don't want to waver too far to one side or the other it's like, it's like that teeter-totter idea mm -hmm. you know when the kid gets off and you go flying up in the air like you don't you need to be careful as listening to yourself and figuring out what it is you need but also not giving yourself a handicap that maybe isn't really there exactly yeah, yeah it's, it's like recognize it act. but don't let it you know stand in your way I don't know yeah, yeah. It, it is a tough it is a tough act and that's I think it's something you learn as you go. I know I've been learning where is it that I actually need rest and where is it that I actually, like I said, need to get up and mm -hmm. do something because <laughs> maybe I'm tired because I sat on the couch for three hours, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like it's that constant and, and just having, a, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, Erin, uh, speaking to that, like that's a real piece of the my favorite question in the self-compassion piece of this to ask myself is okay with all these things going on like what do I need today and the answer today might be different than what it was yesterday it might be different than what it's going to be tomorrow and that is something that helps me find that balancing act or keep that teeter-totter mm -hmm. <laughs> level it's like what do I need today is it more rest or is today the day where I I am okay to push myself a little bit and try something new. Is is today the day that it today's a restorative day where we're just gonna kind of pull everything together and have a quiet day. So it's a really important point, important thing to be able to say to yourself. Yeah. Mm. On that, that self-compassion. Yeah, yeah. self-compassion mm. and self-care. Self-care, I think, is such a buzzword right now. Yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of a dangerous one, in my opinion. Uh, maybe because mm -hmm. I'm a mother of two children and there's all this talk in the mom world of, like, self-care. And for some people, that's a shower. In my opinion, that's, that's a right, not a... <laughs> not right. A, that should not count <laughs> as self-care. I think that there needs to be a more deep assessment of what self-care really is or should be and it, that happens on a pretty individual level. So I'd love to hear a little bit on your of your take on that Vanessa in terms of 
how that's framed by our sort of brain injury and concussion world. Yeah, and I agree it can be a bit of a buzzword. I think I saw an article about self-care, and they even talked about self-compassion in the Costco magazine last week. I was like, okay. (laughs) Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about this. You can buy it in Um, bulk at Costco. Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) If only it were that easy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think in in the brain injury world, I think we need to really get down to the nitty gritty of self-care and look at it from a place of like what will nourish you your brain your body your mental health all of it not just not just talking about food I know you've had lots of people come on and talking about food and anti-inflammatory diets and that's all that's all really important but self-care also and okay how are you moving your body today how is your sleep um, how are you connecting with yourself on the inside? Do, are you are you building in any time to have a little bit of quiet, a little bit of stillness, so that when you ask yourself that question, "What do I need today?" You're you can listen and actually hear maybe what your body is telling you about what you need today. So yeah, we kind of need to. To, to peel back some of the layers of the popular buzz of self-care. It's not all, you know, showers and bubble baths and although those things are lovely and maybe that's what you need some, mm-hmm. some days. But there's like a spoken of, that there's like a yin and a yang of it and that's the balance that we talked about before. Some of the, I've really have done a deep dive into this world of self-compassion to really find out, okay, what is at the heart of this? And then how can I bring this to the people that I work with on a really practical level? So not just knowing about it, but how do I actually do this Mm -hmm. in my life Mm -hmm. every day? And some of the, uh, Kristen Neff is, Dr. Kristen Neff is one of the researchers who's done a lot of actually academic work about self-compassion. But one of the things that she's really brought it down to that I love is she says it's this yin and yang, it's this it's this fierceness almost that you need to, to take care of yourself and to ask yourself, what do I need? But it's okay for it to be kind of, you know, that, that push and that pull and the both and it's yeah how am I am I losing you here no No, you aren't all I'm completely engaged (laughs) yeah the both and is is definitely interesting to say because you know you think maybe you think that you've given yourself the time and the voice to listen but then you're not still feeling fulfilled so what is it you know are you still what are you missing (laughs) yeah um it can be tricky to figure out. This is mm-hmm. something I struggle with so, so much because I am admittedly like a type A, you know, like things are, I'm either all in on something or I'm all out on something. So like, I like schedule. I am the first to admit I don't like change. I like rigidity in my life, <laughs> but you can't do that with self-care because no day looks the same, especially exactly. if you're recovering from a brain injury. So one day you might feel great and say like, I'm going to exercise every day. And then the next day you're exhausted. But if you hold yourself to the standard you set yesterday, then you're just going to wear yourself thin and probably make backwards progress yeah. where, when you're try- really trying to make forward progress. And I actually, one of our listeners recently posted something on Instagram about how she was really struggling with 
setting objectives and reaching those objectives, but also needing rest in her life and struggling with the idea that maybe she was going to have to let those goals go. And we had a DM conversation back and forth because she's her recovery process is a little more recent. And I was saying, I don't mm-hmm. think you have to do that. Just because you are resting or caring for yourself doesn't mean you're just letting all of that go. But that said, I still, it's still a constant struggle for me every day. Yeah. It's sort of the, it's that balance, right? We keep coming back to that, mm-hmm. like the hard and the soft of it. When you, you know, you have a day and you're feeling really good. And I think this is true throughout anyone, for anyone recovering from a brain injury is you're, there's going to be constant ups and downs and the roller coaster, right? Don't we all just want to get off the roller coaster sometimes, but it's, it's the it's our life and the speed of it when you're the speed of the ups yeah. and downs is crazy and so yeah can you be kind to yourself and friendly to yourself in both the days when it's going really well and then in the days when you need to relook at the whole plan and change everything up for that day yeah it's it's, it's it is and i think you both are hitting the nail on the head in saying that, you know, like Mariah was saying, that rigidity and not wanting to change, that's totally me too. (laughs) And I think my, I'm all in or I'm all out, same thing. So I was like, okay, I need to rest. I'm all in. Like I give up on everything. (laughs) That sounds nice. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. That's not practical. No. (laughs) When you need to be at work and you need to, you know, have some sort of productivity. Like there's some point at which you need to have a plan again. So figuring that out and how you can be nice to yourself through the process and still, I don't even know how to say it right, but. I think there's a way we can use it to hold ourselves accountable. Like, so, you know, when you're, when you're going through a hard time in this, you're having a bad day rather than sort of drowning in the, the guilt or the shame of, oh my gosh, but I said I was going to do this. Can you, and this is where the self-compassion and the kindness to yourself would come in and say, okay, it's not going the way that I planned, obviously, today, but I am doing my best. I'm human. I've been through something. I'm going to learn from this, and maybe I'm going to do it a little differently. Maybe instead of saying, okay, I'm on 100%, nothing but go, go, go mode, or 100%, nothing but rest mode, I'm going to give, I'm going to build in some time every morning to kind of take stock and say, okay, where are we today? How are things feeling? How much have I got to give today? Where are my boundaries? That's a big piece of it. What are the boundaries? What's okay for me today and what's not okay for mm-hmm. me today? And then bringing, bringing that in to how you, how you plan. And, and it does mean that we need to go to shift on more of like a, planning on a shorter term basis yeah right Mm -hmm. if you're someone who's used to like planning out your month and then following it to the t when you're in this place of your life in your life of recovery it's not always going to work out that way but i believe that being kind and friendly and supportive and caring to yourself and how you plan and how you talk to yourself and then how you follow through on that is really a tool it's like something you can keep in your tool belt of, of life. It's going to help you throughout anything in your life, not just when things are going bad, but all the time. 
it's shifting that self-talk, which yeah. you really mm. talked a lot about in the book and That's had some so good bad. ways of just phrasing, like even like my struggle to the struggle you had said, mm -hmm. or I'm learning to do this rather than I can't handle this. Can't. Yeah. That for me is really hard. I am yeah. definitely a negative thinker at heart. I'm with you. Okay. When it comes to myself. Yeah. Actually, in the same vein, that self-talk yeah. piece, it is so important. Yeah. One of the things that was most helpful to me in shifting the way I approach this was working with my therapist on recognizing that I have a double standard, that mm. it's what I expect of other people versus what I expect of myself. And it was part of a long conversation, but I, I gave her the example of the fact that I don't care when other people are late to something. I do not uh, allow that of myself. I am almost yeah. never late because I, I just... I just don't think that is acceptable for me, but I'm incredibly forgiving of it when it comes to other people. And she was like, don't you see how that is, you know, Double you, standard? Why, why aren't you being nice to yourself when you're being really kind and forgiving to other people as a, just as an example. And it yeah. made me realize, yeah, I do. I do have standards that I have imposed on myself that I would never expect of someone else, not to mention someone else with a brain injury. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this was, this was, these kind of conversations with myself was a huge turning point in my recovery. And I did share, I wrote about this in the book a little bit. Yeah, I was so, the things I was saying to myself in my head, I would never have said to a friend or somebody else. It was constant every day. It's like, oh my God, Vanessa, enough. <laughs> like just get going what is wrong with you yes <laughs> and I would write these things in my journal and and then yeah and it for me too it was working with the therapist and she she heard this and she's like okay she's like let's learn uh she said Vanessa can you talk to yourself like someone you love it's like what is that allowed <laughs> yeah if you say those things to a friend you lose a friend yeah. but you're stuck with yourself right. so you should make nice right yeah right. and yeah. it's that like we if you think about it the person you you have the most conversations with in your life it's yourself right yep so learning to yeah learning to speak kindly I've gotten into recently, uh, I read a book called Live Wired. It's, it's, it's by Dr. David Eagleman, and he's a neuroscientist, and I just love the way that he speaks about the brain. I just ordered this book. That's yeah, really it's weird. fascinating. Do you have a view into my about, Amazon account? <laughs> he, he calls the brain, this is the most, here's my geeky side coming out, this is the most like exciting definition of the brain. He calls it a living, breathing dynamic electric fabric hmm. and I was like okay this really relates to me because in a concussion the fabric has been pulled that's the definition is the shearing and the the pulling of the brain and the jostling of of a concussion but he talks about it being like electric and it's it's changeable and this is I love the hope and the and the potential and the possibility that he brings into recovering from a brain injury because he calls it uh, like the potato head theory <laughs> where he's like, so you've got your brain and if, if some, if something falls out, you can always like shift and move things around. I don't know. You got to read the book. It's not making that much sense. Just, just for me, I'll let him tell you, but it really resonated with me. And, and I, and it, this idea of, of 
I want when I work with people, I really want to help them bring this idea of this awareness of their self-talk and how can we shift that to be kind and caring and loving and supportive inside so you're not relying on that from the outside but he really gave me this spark this idea like okay our brains are actually capable of like rewiring in this way where this kind of kindness to ourselves can become part of how we move forward and how we deal with new things so anyway I'm just really excited about that because I just finished that book well that's good to hear it's it's sitting on my bedside table it came this week that's really, really that's wow funny timing <laughs> yeah yeah I love that good book. Yeah. and I think sticking with it is hard for me because we've talked about this so many times like in in my therapy sessions of you know you really need to focus on what happened positive like you can quickly name out all these things that were negative but when she asked me what is it that I expected from that and what would be the positive flip on it, for me that's hard in my brain. And I journal on it and I'll be mm -hmm. good for like a week or two, like writing down, <laughs> okay, what's everything that I thought was negative but what actually happened and what was came positive from it? Like what was the good thing? And I'm really good for a week or two and then it's back to those old habits. And it's just – it's constant. It's like training anything. Yeah. You got to stick with it. I know. Yeah, and, and and to be like forgiving to yourself. I think as humans, you know, we're wired, they say, for that negativity bias. Mm -hmm. uh, we're all, again, it's our brain's way of keeping us safe. It's always going to choose a story or an outcome that keeps you in the same place because that's familiar and that's comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, and just being forgiving with yourself as you step out and try something new and, and try again. And Aaron, you know, you can... It's hard to build a new habit. I've been going through this, you know, this too. And it's just, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can mm -hmm. learn those things in little steps and baby steps as you go along and try to congratulate yourself for a day when you did do it. Right. That's where that self-compassion yeah. comes in, yeah. I would think. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm happy that I did it today. Yeah, I didn't do it the last four days, but that's okay. Yeah, we're just going to try again. Yeah, just keep getting <laughs> back on that bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. I know bikes were a hard part for no, you. I didn't no. mean to say it's that. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> but you did get back on your bike. <laughs> I did get back on my bike. I did get back on my bike. I, I can't say I'm like an avid cyclist, but they don't cause like a whole traumatic response in me anymore that they did. That's good to hear. For, yeah, for about six or eight months after, I couldn't even like... Like our bike, I've got three kids that we've all got bikes. They're, the garage is full of bikes and helmets and all those things. And yeah, I, I had to walk through like blinders <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. So how did, how did that go? Like getting through some of that trauma, was it all just the self-compassion and time or? The self-compassion was a big part of it. And really it was this process that we talked about before yeah. of, um, looking at that story of like, like do I want to go through my rest the rest of my life saying Vanessa you can't ride a bike anymore or it's not safe for you to ride a bike anymore and I just thought you know what I I we live in this lovely neighborhood with lots of paths I don't know that I'm gonna go on a cycling trip to Italy again but I want to be able to ride go on a bike ride with my kids it was something that I've always enjoyed doing it's like okay what do I need to do 
to do this. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was gardening one morning. It was in July. And I was just like, okay, today's the day. What needs to happen for this to happen today? So I was like, okay, my bike's there. I had obviously done some work. I'd been seeing a therapist for a couple months at this point, but we hadn't specific. She had just told me, okay, start going into the garage and touching the bike. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of where she had left me. Just go in and touch it. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'd been doing that. This wasn't like a, this wasn't like a from zero to 60 kind of thing. I'd been doing those little things. But on the day that I decided today is the day, it it was a beautiful day. It was a quiet morning. The kids were home. I think I just realized I can do this. I can can go nice and slow. I thought about, okay, how good is this going to feel afterwards? That was like a little bit of a carrot dangling Mm -hmm. for me. And I remember the kids were, uh, I think they were in the living room. A couple were watching TV. My older son was folding laundry. And I said to them, who wants to go for a bike ride? And my oldest son, I think he was 15 at the time, he like dropped the laundry. He's he's like... (laughs) I'm going to call dad. <laughs> like, He's like, okay, someone needs to be responsible. clearly lost here. it. <laughs> yeah, let's call dad. Yeah. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> no, we're going to do this. I think I even said, let's, we're going to do this before I talk myself out of it. I have a picture of it, actually. I have a picture of the four of us that day going for a bike ride. And I was glad I did it. It did feel really good. And I was glad I let them in on that with me like they knew I was scared and they knew that it took a lot for me to be able to do that but I think it was really good for them to see me work through that process in that little snapshot that day I hope that you know if if, when they go through something similar in their life they'll be part of their story and their self-talk is going to be like yeah I can do this mom showed us how to do this (laughs) It's important, honestly. It's interesting that you bring that up because my husband and I were just talking about uh, my son was two and a half at the time of my accident. And so he was pretty oblivious to what was going on. But we were talking about how do we explain this to him? Because you can't easily tell a young kid like, oh, mom got hit by a car without it being like you just can see when you plant a seed with him right now where that takes him. But Mm -hmm. how important it is for him to learn that lesson, that something incredibly traumatic can happen and you survive and are better for it and you learn a lot along the way. So that's good to hear. Yeah, I think that's been that's been one of the, you know, the quiet sort of blessings underneath all this is that my kids have seen me. And at first it was hard. They were older when this happened. They were 10, 12 and 14. Their birthdays are all in the fall around that time. So yeah, just turning 11, 13, and 15. But my my go-to mode prior to this had not been to show weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, it had been pretty much to be the person, oh, I've got it, it I, it's handled, I'm good. Mom's superwoman. And yeah, mm-hmm. so it was, a bit, it was a shift to learn to just to be open with them about it. But I'm glad that I did. And even through the book writing process, like I can remember weeks when my book and the content and my ideas for the book were on sticky notes all over the basement wall which also happens to be like the hangout for the kids and when they have friends over and their friends would look at it and be like oh that's cool and I'm gonna read that book (laughs) if they saw something that felt like yeah (laughs) it is awesome I mean I'm no parenting expert uh I'm still feeling my way through everything and I 
think maybe you have to have 10 kids to feel like you're a parenting expert. But <laughs> but I do think there's got to be some benefit to seeing your parents' vulnerabilities. And I think that this is something that is happening in, you know, in the world, or at least our culture right now, is being more open when you're not perfect and showing your vulnerability and being open about it and accepting of it. And I think that that's probably a good thing for kids too, because there's no reason that they should think that they need to be perfect. And also what a gift. Yeah. What a gift to give them. And also to see what you've brought, you know, from your own traumatic experience, the positivity and the book writing and, you know, what you've conquered is also a good lesson to be learned for them that that kind of stuff can happen. I, the other day I made a quasi new year's resolution about drawing once a week. Just, I, I started college as an art major. It's something I don't do very often, but I've been trying to do more. And my son came home one day and saw me drawing at the dining room table. And I started to like pack things up because I was like, okay, I'm not, not going to be doing any drawing now. But he was like, hey, mom, that's cool. And he got his coloring book and, you know, and I was nice. like, okay, so there is, you know, yeah, they soak yeah. everything up. There's, there's good to come from all of that. Yes, absolutely. To try to exclude people from our journeys, I think, is not a good thing. And it's easy to do. I know, you know, so much of the world right now is focused on isolating and isolating, you know, from others. And that, for me, has really had a negative impact. Like, we need each other. We need our support systems. We need to still reach out and rely on each other and allow for that help because no one's going to know you're struggling if you're isolated. Even yeah, introverts have their so limits. True. Right? I know, right? Yeah. It's so yeah, easy. I, I think that piece of asking for help is so important. As you know, Erin, that's a chapter in the book, asking mm-hmm. for help. So that's one skill. If you're someone who's always been felt like very capable to take care of everything on your own, learning to ask for help is important and then the even harder part I have come it was my experience and also what I'm hearing from other people is then receiving it yes is letting it come to you and there's so there's obviously a benefit to you to receive the help I I think it's this beautiful circle ripple effect because there's also a gift in being offering your help and having it be gratefully received like it feels really good if you offer to help someone and they say yes thank you that's exactly what I need today doesn't that feel good as the giver Mm -hmm. and so I think it's just like a win-win for everybody and yeah in these times right now when when we are physically isolated it is important as you both have said to be to be reaching out and asking asking for help and and giving it and receiving it as well. That's a very good point. I think a lot of us, and I will raise my hand, are really bad at the ask and forget that I love to give other people help. So you're also helping someone else sometimes by saying yes. And by saying yes. Yeah. yeah. In my in my son's, sorry, I'm telling so many kids stories today, but in my son's, I've, I've learned a lot from my son this week. Um, <laughs> He's a great kid to learn from. Yeah. In my son's preschool <laughs> class this week, they read a book about filling and dipping each other's buckets and I think that's kind of like it's a basic way to look at it but a good one like 
by allowing someone else to fill your bucket, you are also filling another bucket. And my child actually literally said that statement to me this week. <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Such an so, insightful yeah, kid. The same kind of thing. Yeah. I think, and I, I don't know that this is particularly unique to just brain injury, but I know it's been my experience since having one is I'm constantly faced with having to deal with a fear, deal with overcoming something Mm -hmm. where I don't think I was as attuned to it before or I was just on autopilot and didn't really need to think about it. But like this is another thing, like asking for help, receiving help. I was always strong on my own. I'm a strong, independent woman. Troy says it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't feel like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And maybe that wasn't the right way to always be. Mm-hmm. So you're always just pressing that boundary and it can be uncomfortable. And I think that was a lot of what's behind making me feel uncomfortable. Um, That's really funny yeah. that Troy says that to you all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're a strong and independent woman. Well, you don't need that. You don't so need my help. Back during my... San Francisco days, I had a job that I hated at the very end, and I would sit on the subway on my way to work, and I would, I had this mantra that I would just repeat to myself over and over on my way to work, and it was, my name is Mariah Keith, and that's my maiden name, and I am going to live this day like the strong, independent woman I was raised to be, just over and over, all the way to work to, like, get myself going, but that certainly has stayed with me, so I guess we're just strong, independent women, Erin, who mm-hmm. maybe should let our guards down once in a while yeah. <laughs> right you kind yeah. of wired that way Re- yeah. rewire start to think about how you can yeah introduce some new mantras exactly. into your mm-hmm. <laughs> into your mind about it's okay to ask for help yes. it's a very human thing and it is what we're meant to live in connection with each other like that right like that's what it's all about mm-hmm. it feels good I agree and interestingly I mean Aaron and I have been close friends for a while but I think that the removal of that layer has just made us better friends um, mm-hmm. because we kind of see each other better. I'm speaking yeah. for myself, Erin. No, <laughs> I totally agree. Like, <laughs> you know. I think, you know, there was always there's always that thing in friendship when you first become a friend with someone that like you need to keep the veil up and keep yourself fun and happy mm-hmm. and woo all the time. And that's not the case. A yeah. true friend, once you let that veil down, you can truly help each other. Like you had said, Vanessa, like allowing someone to help you makes the other person feel good, makes you feel good. Yeah. You have to be open for it. It really is a, a gift to have those friends in your life, too, that you can really be yourself with and let those layers drop, as yeah. you said. You can't put a price on that, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, Vanessa. So uh, fairly recently, I started watching, there's a Reddit well, there are a couple of Reddit groups, one for stroke, one for TBIs, and one for concussion. And I'm not like super active on there, but I I have been watching, lurking, some might say. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people wind up on those groups because they are not sure what to do when they have a concussion, especially, okay. which is kind of amazing to me in today's day and age. However, I am a lot more immersed in this community than I once was. What would you say to someone who's, you know, clearly they're at their wits end if they're showing up on Reddit asking, you know, I think I have a concussion. What do I do? Do you have any wisdom for someone who's trying to figure it out and figure out like, you know, what the next step for themselves is? Yeah, the, the science around concussion care is evolving so rapidly. But the good news is that there are providers that 
we can find uh, pretty easily online these days. Everyone's connected that way. And some of them are able to offer some help remotely. But I would tell someone, yes, to, to research in their area a, a specific concussion care clinician. And often you can find these people in the rehab world. They're physios, they're uh, chiropractors. So they look at concussions as a treatable, rehabilitatable injury, which that is a big shift. Yes, it's a mild traumatic brain injury, but they are rehabilitatable when you're working with a rehab professional who knows how to you know, assess where you are, diagnose, and then offer treatments for whatever the pieces of the puzzle are that are a little off for you. And it can be it can be visual, it can be vestibular, it can be, sometimes it's like the muscles in your neck. I went through this recently, like three years after my concussion, I was like, well, I had this dizziness coming back. And it's like the muscles in my neck and my eyes, things were, the signals weren't congruent anymore. Something was a little off and it was making me feel dizzy anytime I had to turn my head. And so I worked with a chiropractor for a couple of months who did some things to help that, but these, these clinicians are out there. Um, the one I worked is called Complete Concussion Management, and they train rehab-based professionals all over North America. I think they're trying to go worldwide on how to help people who have been diagnosed with a concussion. And it's great if you can see them right away, but it's never too late to seek treatment and help. And it's okay to even go back after, which is what happened to me. I was discharged and then uh, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. It's never too late. So if you've been yeah. out there and you're struggling, there's always something that can be done, something you can do to change your story. Mm -hmm. I yes. love that. Yeah, yeah, I do too. That's wonderful. Well, Vanessa, we're coming to the end of our time. Is there anything else you want to leave us with here? Any words of wisdom? We, I think we've had a, a great, <laughs> a great yeah. wealth of them here. But any other parting thoughts for our listeners? I like what Erin just said. Like to to believe that it's never too late. And I find that in the people I work with, they, you know, they've had some of that treatment and perhaps have been like let go into the world. And Erin, maybe you talked about this before. And often there can be this let down, right? When you're like, okay, well, I still mm -hmm. feel lost and who am I now? And I'm not good at the things that I used to be good at. And you're trying to navigate your way through this new, new world, new normal. I'm not sure I like that phrase, but that's kind of how it feels. And as a health coach that's where I like to come in and help people in in that place in this gap of like what now but I would say yeah to tell people to reach out to people who can help you start to get back on your feet and sort of build that confidence and build those tools that can help you not necessarily to, to fix everything but to have the tools that can help you respond to all the ways that your life is going to grow and change and evolve as you go and to respond to them in ways that feel empowering and hopeful and with that potential that, you know, we can, we can make changes here and we can move forward. That's an awesome way to put it. I think it's a, a good reminder that there's positivity to be had yes. in all of this, for sure. Yes. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much for joining us. To our listeners, if you'd like to follow Vanessa on social media, she is at Vanessa underscore Woodburn on Instagram. On Facebook, you can find her at Vanessa Woodburn Health Coach. She has a wonderful website, vanessawoodburn.ca. And if you'd like to email her any questions specific to this conversation or her business, she is bounceback at woodburn.ca. And please, most importantly, don't forget to check out her book. It is Bounce Back, Reclaim Your Life After a Concussion. And mm-hmm. it's definitely on my list. And Erin, I think, can can be a testament to the good it's done her already. So um, thank you, Vanessa, for all you've yeah, done for, I would love for to us today. Your- yeah, thank you so much for having me. I would love to offer your listeners a free digital download of the book, which they can get at vanessawoodburn.ca. Wonderful. And we can also put that link in the show notes, too, yeah, for we'll, everyone. Listeners will put that in the show notes, and we'll also post about it on our social media as well. So, so thank you for all you've done for us today, Vanessa, and beyond for this community. <laughs> it's so important. It's so nice to find others who are, you know, out there trying to raise awareness and help others and um, we hope that others find you as a result of this conversation thank you thank you both very much for our conversation today it's been great and yeah it's nice to talk to people who uh who get it right who have been there and and who have a similar hope to uh to raise awareness and and to help so this is Mariah signing off with my co-host Aaron. We'll talk to y'all next week on the Making Headway podcast. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Making Headway podcast. For more information and show notes, visit makingheadwaypodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Check us out at Making Headway Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Catch you next time. All topics are intended to be used for educational and entertainment purposes only. The podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare provider for any issues or treatment considerations you may have. For our full legal terms, please see our website at makingheadwaypodcast.com. This podcast was recorded, mixed, and mastered with love at Stout Heart Studios. Sun rises across the ocean. 